Upward family, good to see y'all today. Everybody doing well? Can you believe it's October? Gracious, alive, it's October already. Pumpkin spice, sweater vests, and all that stuff coming. Nah, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Not ready. Welcome today. We're going to be in John chapter 8 this morning. We're starting a new series called ID. And we're going to be looking at one of the issues, the major issues that we face in our society today, the struggle with identity and the identity crisis so many people are going through. This is going to be a great series. Now, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I know the answer, and his name is Jesus. Can I get an amen? His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life And he always brings life and healing wherever he goes. Wherever Jesus walks into a room, healing's going to be in that place and life is going to be in that place. So we're going to have fun together as we talk about identity. We're not scared of it. We don't run from it. We're excited at the people God is going to set free and at the people that God is going to clarify for them and speak truth into their lives. In this series, I want to speak to those who are in an identity crisis. There are so many in our world today who who don't know who they are and they're struggling with those issues so heavily. And I tell you, I want to talk to you about it during this series. We're going to take God's word, Jesus Christ, and bring it into your world and into your life. We're going to help you understand some of the causes. We're going to help Christians not to make it worse. We're going to help people get through this. And we're going to see a lot of people healed. And people who would not talk about this issue are going to start talking about it, and they're going to find healing in Jesus Christ. I believe that with all of my heart. So I want to talk to you if you struggle with it. I want to talk with Christian parents. I have so many parents coming to me saying, Pastor, uh, my child is struggling with identity issues. They're being told certain things, and they don't think that their uh, identity maybe lines up with their uh, biological sex, and they're struggling through those issues. What can I do? Well, parents, I want to tell you, God has answers for you. You can still lovingly lead your child and nurture your child and find healing for your child and you as you walk through it together. Amen. I want to talk to people who are in the workplace. So many people coming to me saying, Pastor, I'm, a, I'm being asked to use language that I don't understand. I'm being asked to speak things that I don't agree with. And what I'm being asked to do does not align with my faith. What should I do? I want to give you some answers in this series. It occurs to me that I've just put a whole lot of pressure on myself because I've set the bar really high for this series. But I want to bring hope to this situation where so many are walking in hopelessness. Now, this is a difficult subject to address. It really is hard to talk about. When you talk about identity issues, you begin to touch on people's pain. You begin to touch on many times a painful past that they've had. You began to speak about words that have been spoken over their lives and confusion that they've lived with for a long time, and it's a difficult issue to address. The emotional level of this issue is so high that it's hard to talk about. And many people have just said, and I know many Christians who've just said, no, thank you, I'm not going to talk about it. Isn't it easier just to keep your mouth shut and not deal with any struggles? Shake your head, yes, it is easier. Right? Right? It's easy to just say, I'm not going to address that, I'm not going to deal with it, I'm not going to bring it up, I'm just not going to say anything. So many Christians have simply decided to remain silent on the issue. And we cannot do that. Christians who are remaining silent, your word is, speak up. When I say speak up, that's a good chance for you to say amen really loud right there. Christians who just cowered in fear from talking about this issue... You're not speaking up 
in a way that you can bring Jesus to this issue. And I want you to understand this as well. Living for Jesus does cost us some things. And when we speak truth in love, we will lose some relationships. We will risk ticking people off. We will tick some people off, but we have to speak the truth in love. So your word, if you've been silent, is... I told you this two seconds ago. Your memory is just struggling. Your word is speak up, speak up. Then they're on the other side, Christians who are not silent at all, and they're really, really angry. They're really loud, and they're really angry, and they talk too much. And they say, well, I'm just going to speak truth, but they don't speak it in love. We don't need your anger being spewed all over people either because the Bible said the wrath of God, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So I got two words for you. I think you know what they are. (laughs) Either way, friends, we can't be silent on the issue. And we can't be angry on the issue. And I tell you what, we're going to do at Upward Christian Fellowship. We're not going to be silent and we're not going to be angry. We're not going to be ugly. We're going to do what the scripture says. We are going to speak truth in love. When we're silent or angry on either extreme of that issue, we leave people in confusion and crisis. And they have no light. They have no leadership. They have no help. They feel cast out. They don't feel like anybody can help them. But we're going to walk in kindness And in truth at the same time. Now today, I had a totally different message ready to preach to open this series today. And if you keep praying about it, God will mess you up. That's just how he is. The more you talk to him, the more he messes your plans up. The more you talk to him, the more he'll redirect you. So I had a nice, neat little message already that I thought would be the right one to start this series. And I talked to God too much. You can never talk to God. If you come to Upward, you have to work through my sarcasm to get the truth. Do you understand that? You talk to God enough, he'll change things on you. And here's what the Lord said to me in prayer at my house this week. The Lord said, before you dive into this issue, I want to make sure that you and Upward Church family all has their hearts right about it. Before you talk about it, I want to make sure you have your heart right. I'm going to throw in something extra today. God has been preparing Upward Christian Fellowship for a while now, and he's been getting our heart right. And God just spoke to my heart this week, and he said, I'm about to do some really big things. He said, I'm going to do some stuff that you're not ready for and how big it is. And I've been getting your heart ready for a long time, and you're about to see some things happen that you never thought for the good. I believe we're going to see an influx of people coming to know Jesus Christ like we never have seen before. You say, we've seen a lot. Yeah, we have. We're going to see more people saved. We're going to see community transformation take place like we've never seen before. And God's going to accelerate that as he gets our heart right. I want want you to understand this, and i got to hurry because this is extra. God can only bless you to the level that he gets your heart right. You don't let a child drive a car because a child doesn't have the understanding to to hang on to all that power. Are you with me? That's why you don't let a child in the car. 
God doesn't pour out his spirit on people who don't have the heart to use it well. That's good stuff right there. That's extra credit today. But he's getting our hearts right so we can use what we know well. Now, it would be easy for me to get up here today and I could really fire you up. The easiest thing to do in most churches, maybe not here, but in many places, the easiest thing to do is pound the pulpit and get mad about all the sinners that are out there. And churches will get fired up about it and say, you're right, they are sinners. You're right, the world is bad. Perilous times are on the world. The Bible said it was so. And we all get excited and leave depressed. You ever been to a service like that? Get all ramped up about how bad sin is and how those sinners out there are doing so bad and how we've got the truth and they are wrong and we're right. And I could just fire you up about that and we could leave here and just be so smug about how great we are in here and how bad the world is out there. We could leave feeling better about ourselves but yet be depressed in our hearts when we left. I had a long talk with my daughter and she straightened me out on a couple things. She's good at that. She said, Dad, I... You're going into this series, I know. She sent me a text this morning, a matter of fact. She told me last week she was here. She said, Dad, I know you're going into this series. Don't be angry. She said, Dad, I want you to do this. The whole time you preach this, I want you to remember there are people sitting out there in front of you who struggle with this. And I want you to help them. And I knew that already. But I'm going to tell you, folks, when your children come around and pour some wisdom into your life, it is a beautiful moment in life when you say, thank you, Jesus, they're helping me now. It'd be so easy for us to get in here and just have a rally about how good we are and how bad everybody else is. But that's not going to help anybody. That's not going to help the person sitting in here that deeply struggles with this issue and they're really afraid the rest of us are going to find out because they think we're going to look at them differently and invite them to leave the church. Really going to struggle with the person watching online right now who's been searching the internet today saying, can I find some hope? And they come to a church where they're talking about ID and they think, wow, this is cool. I found something that addresses my problem. And then we get up here and spew anger towards them. That does not help. Amen, preacher. God's getting our heart right. We're going to John chapter 8 today. Jesus is in a situation where he's teaching in the temple and his teaching gets interrupted by religious leaders. They, they are afraid of him talking, so they want to do everything they can to interrupt him and to discredit him. And on this day, they brought a prop along with them. And the prop is not a prop. The prop is a human being. They found a lady and they say they've caught her in the very act of adultery, which is pretty questionable from the start. How that happened, I don't know. A bunch of preachers peeking through windows, apparently. Yeah. They catch this woman in the act of adultery. They let the man go. Pretty ridiculous. Why wasn't he there? He was part of this, right? They grab the poor woman, they bring her out into the street, they throw her down in front of Jesus. Let me just read it to you. The Bible tells it better than I do, always. Then the scribes and Pharisees, John 8, 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. When they'd set her in the midst, oh, the, whole, the whole positioning of this is horrible. They put her down in the middle of all of them. 
And they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? I want you to hear the motives of their heart. This they said, testing him, that they may have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stood, stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Jesus could ignore you. He wrote on the ground. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone. Remember that. And the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. That's one of the most beautiful things in all the Bible right there. Where are your accusers? Has anyone condemned you? And she said, no one. Then he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Here's what Jesus did. First of all, Jesus brought no condemnation. The scribes and the Pharisees, these religious leaders, they called a woman in the act of adultery. And their response to this woman is to make a prop out of her, to bring her before Jesus, to try to catch Jesus in an awkward situation. They wanted to ensnare him and get a sound bite out of him that they could use with everybody else to discredit him. They forgot that this woman was a human. They forgot that this was a woman in need of healing and redemption. And in their sense of being right about everything, they threw her down in front of Jesus and said, Look, this woman is guilty. She deserves to be stoned. Will you back us up on this or not? They forgot that they were dealing with a human being. Religion will do that to you. Religion can very quickly do that to you. Turn you into a person who just cares about all your stuff and all your codes and all your ways, and you forget that there are people who struggle that Jesus loves. Folks, can we remember all the folks in here and out there that don't know Jesus? They are our mission field. And it's about them. It's not about us. Can I get an amen? Jesus brought no condemnation to them. His response is pretty powerful. He simply did this. He wrote on the ground, and scholars debate what he was writing. My favorite one says he was writing their names and the people they'd committed adultery with. I don't think Jesus did that, but I like it. <laughs> but he wrote on the ground, and they kept on questioning him, and he said this. He said, uh, whoever in this crowd hasn't sinned, let him throw first. Jesus pointed them back to the fact that they had also sinned. Because somehow they had forgotten that. Let me just tell you this. All of us without Jesus are sinners. All of us without Jesus are capable of all kinds of things that we wouldn't like to admit. And Jesus came to us 
and didn't condemn us in our sin. There's a trap here that the longer you serve Christ, it's so easy to think that you had a lot to do with your salvation. People say, well, I got myself straightened out. No, you did not. You came to Jesus. If you got really saved, here's how you came to Jesus. You came to Jesus, a broken down sinner with nothing to offer him, and you said, Jesus, take this wreck of my life and do something with it. And you trusted him, and he did what you could not do. That's how you get saved. You don't come to church and say, look at all these fine people. Let me find out all the rules around here, and I'm going to do my best to keep them so I can be like the rest of these fine people. And yeah, I'll go pray a little prayer, and I'll sing the songs, and I'll give a little money, and I'll come to church, and then that makes me a Christian. That does not make you a Christian. You can sit in Upward Christian Fellowship and look like us and talk like us and act like us and sing the songs and pray the prayers and do all those things. What needs to happen in your life for you to be truly saved is for Jesus Christ to come to you in your brokenness and you surrender all that to him and he picks you up and transforms you by his grace and makes you a new person. That's what it means to be saved. That's it. And you didn't get there by yourself. Minding the old story of the guy who saw a turtle sitting flat on top of a fence post. And he said, one thing we know, he didn't get there by himself. That wasn't as funny as I thought it would be, but okay. Second, third service will not hear that, I promise you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) We didn't get here by ourselves because Jesus showed compassion on us. How can we then go and fail to show compassion on other people? How can we bring condemnation to others who struggle? The Bible said, here's what happened. All of them left convicted by their own conscience. I believe we can forget about the sins of our past. There's only one time I think, and I've got to be careful, I'm going out on a limb. There's only one time I think we ought to remember the sins of our past. That's when we're tempted to condemn somebody else. And then I just pray that it would come back to our memory what we used to do and where we used to be and how fallen we were when Jesus refused to condemn us. Jesus brought no condemnation. Second thing, Jesus did bring compassion. He did a couple things to help this lady. The first thing that he did was to run away the voices that were accusing her. One by one, all of her accusers filed out of the room. Anybody other than me have accusing voices in your head? I get a feeling it's more than that. Anybody had any this morning? I got up this morning and heard the voice of the accuser in my mind telling me something about myself, and he said, you're no good. And I got to get up here and preach three times. I get to get up here and preach three times, but... uh, I didn't need that voice rattling around in my brain. So I was standing in my closet this morning, and I heard that voice, and I struggled with it for about five minutes. I walked back into the bedroom, and I thought, nope, I don't have to receive that. I reject that in Jesus' name. It's a lie, and I'm not listening to that accusation. Nope. Even as Christians, we hear those voices. 
Do you know people struggling with identity issues hear those voices five times more than we do as Christians because we have learned, hopefully, to stand against some of those and stop some of those and filter some of those, and I'm still learning. I've been saved a long time, and I'm still learning. Many people who struggle with this have no spiritual armor. They have no word. They have no faith. They have nothing to combat this with, and they're open to accusations and attacks from everywhere. And can I tell you this? Identity struggles often. We're going to delve into this deeper later, but identity struggles often come many, many times from listening to the wrong voices. Identity struggles can come by listening to the voice of an abuser that still speaks in your life today. Some of us, oh goodness, we're wading into it now. Some of us need to cut ties with our abusers. You say, I never see them, I'm away from them. Yeah, but their voice is still living in your head. The accusers may have been abusers. Some of us, and some identity struggles come from the voices of people who marginalized you and made fun of you because you were different from everybody else. Can I tell you, it's okay to be different. I said it's okay to be different. God did not make every man and woman with a cookie cutter to where they look exactly alike and think exactly alike and like all the same things and do all the same things. We're all different. And sometimes boys or girls who were just a little different were pushed to the side and made fun of and the voice of that accuser still lives in their head and brings weight to that identity struggle. You don't need the voice of an accuser, an abuser in your life, of those who made fun of you. Some of you still living with the voice of something your parents said. Why can't you be like... Parents, can I just tell you, if those words ever start coming out of your mouth, bite your tongue you know why they can't be like because they are not that person Jesus brought compassion I'm praying for you that Jesus in this middle of this series maybe right here today will run away the voices of the accusers that are still in your brain because here's where this lady came to this is what's so powerful it says Jesus was there alone with the woman. Here's what needs to happen in all of our lives. We need to have a moment when he shuts up all the other voices so that we can hear his voice alone. Those of you who are so confused right now and you just don't know who to listen to, you've got people around you, you've got voices coming into you all the time, you've got culture, you've got all kinds of things, Jesus wants to shut up all the rest of that and stand alone with you and he wants to tell you who you are. You can find your identity in culture. You can find your identity in friends. You can find your identity in a church. You can find your identity in groups. You can find your identity out of the voices. You can find your identity out of the abuse. You can find it in all kinds of things. But I want to tell you, the one place you need to find your identity is in him, in Jesus Christ. 
And if you will let him, he will drive your accusers out of the room and he will tell you who, he, who you are. You know in the Bible God was always renaming people? God would look at him and say, they called you this, but I'll call you that. Jesus told Peter, he said, you're Simon. His real name was Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. I'm not calling you what they called you. Oh, somebody needs to get delivered right there as Jesus says that to you. I don't call you what they called you. I know who you are. Your name is not Simon. Your name is Rocky. <laughs> Cephas, Peter, means rock. Jesus will tell you who you are. So why don't we just take a vacation from all the voices for the next five weeks? Can we do that? Why don't we just take a break from all the other voices Tell them all to shut up. It's kind of a recurring theme today, isn't it? Tell them all to be quiet and listen for his voice. Because here's what Jesus did. He brought no condemnation. He brought compassion. Here's the thing that may be difficult if you struggle to deal with, but it's so life-giving. Jesus brought clarity. I want you to notice what he said to the woman. He said, neither do I condemn you but he didn't stop there. He said, go and sin no more. That's important to understand. We live in such a culture of confusion that we don't want to talk about it. And one of the issues, and here's where we're going to delve into some difficult things. I, I want to tell you this, but I, we're going to love people, but you're not going to have a single doubt about where we stand on the issues. You're not going to have a single doubt about what the Bible says in Jesus' heart towards these issues. Because Jesus brought compassion, and his compassion included clarity. There's this redefinition of love and compassion in our world today. I know I'm delving into the difficult side of it now, so stay with me. There's a redefinition of love in our society today that says if you love people, you won't confront them. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you love people, you're going to be honest with them. Amen? I love my children. I also confronted them. Sweet little Michael Craver. Do y'all know sweet little Michael Craver? Y'all know big bearded Michael Craver that's my son sweet little Michael was the sweetest kid he really was he was an easy kid to manage he was not hard he was most of the time compliant there was one time sweet little Michael we were in the Greenville Mall this is in our family history sweet little Michael wanted something and threw himself down on the floor and said, I'm going to get it, and pitched a temper tantrum. I picked sweet little Michael up and took him out to our Ford Explorer, opened the back hatch, and me and him got in there, 
and we had a come to Jesus meeting. I know some of you don't like this. I spanked him. I didn't abuse him. But I let him know this behavior is unacceptable. And I love you enough that I'm not going to let you develop this habit in your life. And I want you to be very clear and understand what we're doing in this series. Jesus brings compassion but he brings clarity to us. One of the real problems in our world today is that we're in a culture that celebrates confusion rather than clarity. If you step up in the culture today and say, I'm confused, and this is where we start getting in trouble, but it's okay. This is also where people get set free. If you step up in our culture and say, I'm confused, many in culture will say, that's the most wonderful thing we've ever heard. You're confused. And pat you on the back and say, welcome. But can I tell you, all those voices that are trying to welcome you in don't love you. They don't. The Bible says we are to speak truth in love people say well those things we balance out here's what I've come to understand conceptually truth and love may be two different things but in Jesus they come together into one thing God is love Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and in Jesus truth and love are one thing they're not two things that fight against each other they're one it can't be real love unless there's truth involved. And it can't be real truth unless there's love involved. Those two things have to come together in our approach. Jesus brought compassion and clarity. Amen. And we're going to do the same. And we're going to see people set free. Amen. Years ago... I preached a series here. I preached a message here. The series were something like hot potatoes or tough questions that nobody wanted to talk about. And so uh, I preached the series here, and we announced it. And, and one of the uh, messages was about uh, homosexuality specifically and what Jesus would have to say about it and what the Bible had to say about it. And uh, we were compassionate and clear that way back then. This was many, many years ago. And uh, tons of people showed up. Several people living in homosexuality showed up. And uh, we knew they would, and they came. And, and uh, I was really worried about it. Uh, had very little negative response. That week, uh, somebody found my home and egged my cars. I don't know if it was anybody like that, but it just so happens it was that week. So uh, that's okay. I ain't going to whine about that. A water hose does wonders, and you're done. But I had a man uh, come up to me at the end of that service and he said, I'm a gay Christian and I want to talk to you. And I said, sure. I said, come on to my office tomorrow. And I thought, oh Lord, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And uh, he came to my office 
and he reached out his hand and he stuck out his hand to me and said I want to thank you for that message yesterday and I took his hand and said really and he said this to me he said I disagreed with all your conclusions but he said the whole time I knew that you actually loved me and he said I want to thank you for that message that I don't agree with that you love me in it and you know what I thought that was a big win I really did of course I want everybody to come around to my way of thinking I want them to come around to the Bible way of thinking I want them to come around the way of the Jesus way of thinking all the time but if we can speak truth in love it's a win folks and we're going to do that alright come on back next week and you're going to get what was to be message one of the ID series. Are you right? All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your spirit and your love that's in the room. Thank you for what you're doing in all our lives together in this wonderful church family. We pray today and ask in Jesus' name, you'll drive it all home to our hearts. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, but I want to say yes to him today. I will not embarrass you. Can I see your hand really quick? I'm saying yes to Jesus. God bless you. I see that hand over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Don't be afraid. That's all right. Anybody bold enough to say, I struggle with some identity issues. Thank you for today. I'm listening to what Jesus would say. Can I see your hands? Anybody? Anybody? All right. That's okay. All right. All right. Amen. Amen. Let's pray right now for those saying yes to Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Pray with me. Thank you for loving me, for dying for me. I give my life today. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. And I ask you to heal me, to change me. In Jesus' name, I give everything to you and receive you as my Savior, my Lord, from this day forward. I live by your grace. Amen. 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 Bless you today. You ready to be blessed this morning? All right. Hey, y'all know we believe in healing. Have I made you aware that we believe Jesus still heals sick bodies today? This wasn't a blessing I did. God's messing me up all day long. Not what I intended to bless you with. But the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart back there and said this. You ready to be blessed? There are people in the congregation today, many of them who have chronic illnesses that they've just settled down with and said this is how it's going to be from now on. Jesus is stepping in and saying it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. There's, there's things afflicting your body that Jesus wants to heal. And with you settling down with it, it's going to say there if you settle with it, Jesus just says this to you today, will you ask me? Will you ask me and believe that I can heal you some things that you've been dealing with for a long time? Will you ask him right now in your heart, Jesus, heal me. Now by faith, be healed right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. In his presence and as we worship him together and we give him the lordship over our bodies, be healed. God, we receive your healing right now in Jesus' name. And we will testify to what you've done as we leave this place today. Now I commission you to step out of this place in the power of the Holy Spirit and take Jesus everywhere you go. Amen.
Tell somebody what God's done in your body today. We want to hear those testimonies. I believe he's done things right now. Love y'all. See you soon.